Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. Before we get started, we are going to shout out some new Patreons. You ready, Austin? Let's do it. Kaya Rucker. Oh, what's up, Kaya? Yeah. Thanks. Kaylin Simmons. Heather. Cool. Awesome. Heather Holmes. Dope. Laura Brown. Cool. Sharon Birchall. Fantastic. Thank you. Jacqueline Voltz. Mucho gracias. And Hope Meager. Awesome. I recognize a couple names. That's awesome. I know. It's always so fun when we recognize names um, from people local. And it's also cool to see names that I don't recognize at all. I think they're both equally cool. Um, So today is episode 99, Austin. You know what that means. Yeah, it means one less than 100. The 100th episode is coming up, and we got to think of something cool to do. And I I still can't. And I I, I think what I'm doing is I'm... I'm putting too much pressure on myself to do something really cool for the 100th episode. Like, I, I just don't... I can't think of anything, though. It's just more like, hey, this is the 100th. That's cool. I don't right. know why you're... I don't know. I just... I think it, we should do something neat, but I don't know what that is. So if you have any ideas, send them my way. I just don't know what to do. We could release a tape. Austin, uh, I don't like the way that you just said that. Like, release a video of us recording the podcast. Yeah. Well, then say that. Don't say tape. Because I know what you actually meant. And everyone does. Quit insinuating ridiculousness. (laughs) Okay. This story, Austin, was recommended by Amanda through our website, mamamystery.com. There's a request form on there. You can request a case. Amanda writes, quote, We have a local case that I'd love to hear your reaction to. Mostly Austin. I think I can already hear his disbelief. (laughs) End quote. I love when... People request cases, and I love when they shout out Austin. I mean, he he might not say a lot, uh, definitely not as much as me during these episodes, but your commentary is very appreciated. It makes me feel appreciated. Good. So most of us has, have seen the movie Final Destination. Have you seen that movie, Austin? Nope. Are you serious? Dead serious. Well, I guess you aren't a 90s kid. I think that was like a 90s oh kid thing. Oh, my God. Don't even get into this argument because here's the deal. We've asked people on your story with your slant on asking the question, and everybody agrees I'm a 90s kid. So just move forward. So anyway, Final Destination, it's about these kids who narrowly escape death from these wild freak accidents. Like... They have these premonitions, or some of them did, anyway, that they would, for example, die in a plane crash. So they didn't get on the plane, and then they watched as the plane took off, and then it crashed. And then another girl is, like, locked in a tanning bed that fries her because it gets locked. Like, something fell and locked the tanning bed, and she was in there too long, and it, like, fried her. Or there's a car driving behind a semi-truck, and it's holding this big bunch of logs, and one of the logs... Well, I mean, they like they break loose from the semi and they just start taking out cars on this freeway and like, jeez, and it's it's chaos, right? 
Well, today's story has a similar scenario to that. But at the end of this episode, I'm going to ask you, was this a case of final destination or first degree murder? And I'm going to tell you something, Austin. I can't decide. I literally cannot decide. So I want to know your opinion. I want to know everyone else's opinion. I don't know what to think. This is probably the first time where I've read a case or I've studied a case or whatever, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just not 100% sure. Interesting. Okay. So Barbara and Todd Kentammer were married on August 3rd of 1991. They were high school sweethearts, and they met when they were just 16 years old. Todd says it was a love at first sight. The second he laid eyes on Barbara, he knew he wanted her to be in his life forever. Okay. So he took it slow. They started out as friends at first and then started dating in 1989 when they were just 19 years old. And then two short years later, they were married. They had a couple kids. Their first child was a little girl named Jessica and then her little brother, Jordan. And they really had a seemingly picture-perfect life. And you always hear that, right? You always hear these, oh, they had a picture-perfect life, and you just never really know what's going on behind closed doors. But this is what people from the outside looking in thought of the Kenhammers. The kids recall, even to this day, that their parents were head over heels for each other, that Todd doted on Barbara and the kids, even through them, a surprise anniversary party for their 25th wedding anniversary, which we'll get back to in a second. 25 years is a minute to be together. Mm-hmm. While Todd worked in a factory making aluminum soda cans, Barbara spent 14 years working in the cafeteria at West Salem Middle School, and she was very proud of this work. She loved the kids and her coworkers. She also loved crafts, camping, and going to Warren's Cranberry Fest, which is literally a festival for the cranberry held in Warren's, Wisconsin. The town itself, just to give you an idea of how big of a deal this festival is. The town itself only has a population of about 360 people, but over 150,000 people come to this festival every year. That's wild. I've heard of places like that where their whole economy thrives on like one event during the year. Yeah. It's freaking wild. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. So anyway, she loved it. She also had a huge heart for animals. She loved her pets, which included dogs, cats, and donkeys, and chickens, and she would bring them into the garage during the winter, so they'd stay nice and warm. Oh, jeez. Remind you of someone? <sighs> Man. <laughs> Me. Just say yeah, it. Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> I figured the sigh people would pick up on it, Kelly. <laughs> you just never know. She had a way of putting everyone before and above herself. She was courageously compassionate and generous, and she was never more proud than when she had her first grandchild, which she affectionately called Peanut. Mm-hmm. Together, Todd and Barbara would also flip houses, and on the side, Todd worked for a glass company replacing people's broken windshields, just for like a little extra income. Solid. In August of 2016, like I mentioned earlier, Todd and Barbara's kids threw them a surprise anniversary party to celebrate their 25th anniversary. And at the time, while everyone was celebrating this seemingly perfect couple, nobody could have known that their world would be turned upside down almost exactly one month later. It's September 16th of 2016, and the Ken Hammer family was planning to leave on one of their annual trips as soon as Barbara got off work at the middle school later that day. So that morning, Todd drives Barbara to work just as any other normal day. 
On the way to school, they stopped by one of their neighbor's houses to check in on it because that neighbor was out of town. And then they were supposed to head to the middle school to drop Barbara off for work. But oddly, they took a different route than normal, heading in the opposite direction of the school. Because I guess Todd was supposed to look at or fix a windshield on a friend's truck, even though it would make Barb late for her shift at the school. In fact, she was always so punctual that when she was just a couple minutes late for her 8 a.m. shift, the school was already calling her and trying to find someone to cover her shift since she wasn't there. Then at 8.05 a.m., 911 dispatchers receive a call from Todd, and he is distraught. He's on the side of the road, and he's trying to tell dispatchers that his wife is badly injured after a pipe flew off of a truck in front of them and slammed into their windshield and into Barbara. So investigators at the scene retrieve this pipe, and this pipe is 53 inches long, and it weighs about 10 pounds. And as they're interviewing Todd, they notice that the knuckles on his right hand are scraped up and bloody, which, by the way, I will have pictures. All the pictures and scenarios that I'm referring to in this episode are going to be on our Mama Mama Mystery Insta. Mama Minsta? Mama Minsta. That's what I should call it from now on. Our Mama Mystery, Mystery Instagram page. My goodness. So if you want to reference those pictures, they will be there. But anyway, he has bloodied up knuckles. He also appears to have some scratches on his neck. So they take some pictures of him right there at the scene. And Todd is trying to explain to the police what happened. And he told them that a big flatbed pickup truck was traveling in the opposite direction. Okay. They're driving North. This truck is driving South. And that right as it was passing them, this pipe flew off the back of the truck and then right into their windshield. It would make more sense if it was in front of them. Right? I thought that too. Like when you first said it, I figured, yeah, truck's in front of them. No. So police at the scene, they're trying to help Barbara, but she is not in good shape. And they did the best that they could to save her. But by 4 a.m. the next morning, Barbara was pronounced brain dead and was taken off life support, passing shortly after. When police were asking about the details of the accident, they really needed to find the driver of that truck because the driver's insurance could be used for the damages and they just want to, you know, tie up this story in a nice bow and complete it, right? Let's close it. So investigators checked security cameras from a property nearby and the cameras showed Barbara and Todd's vehicle pass by at 7.57 that morning, but there was never any footage of a truck that passed by afterwards. Four days after the accident, Dr. Kathleen McCubbin finished her autopsy on Barbara, and her report was shocking. She listed blunt force trauma to Barbara's head, including abrasions of the left temple, bilateral cheeks, multiple skin and scalp contusions, multiple lacerations all over her head, two black eyes, a broken nose, contusions on her tongue, and multiple hemorrhages. She also noted trauma to her neck including abrasions and contusions around her neck. The cartilage between her thyroid bone was fractured. I'm sorry, her thyroid, not thyroid bone. The cartilage between her thyroid was fractured, among many other hemorrhages and swelling. And so this bone is called the, I'm going to, I might mispronounce this, but it's the cricoid bone or the cricoid bone. And usually when this is broken, it's indicative of strangulation. It's something that can often happen. 
in the event of strangulation. And while I was reading these findings, it all seemed to make sense if a pipe came through the windshield and hit her neck, hit her in the neck. I mean, I guess you can, you can probably try to physically make that happen, but that wouldn't explain the broken nose, nor did it explain three full thickness down to the bone lacerations to the back of her head, ranging from three quarters of an inch to one and a quarter inch. So Dr. McCubbin called the police station and asked to see the pipe because she said, this isn't making sense. And when she made her final analysis, she wrote, quote, the pattern of injuries is inconsistent with the reported account of a pipe falling off an incoming vehicle and coming through the passenger side windshield. In addition, there are multiple injuries of the neck with a large cluster of multiple small linear abrasions over the anterior neck concerning for possible fingernail scratches as if a hand is on the throat. She continues quote, furthermore, there are multiple contusions and abrasions on the extremities with notable healing abrasions and contusions on both hands and irregular torn fingernails, I'm sorry, fingernail margins on two fingers, suggesting a possible physical struggle. So some of her fingernails were broken and the DNA swabs from her nails showed hers and Todd's DNA, which that by itself, just the DNA swabs, they're husband and wife. I mean, and I think even in the trial, it was explained like maybe she was rubbing his back or something. Like you could easily get, if I just come up and run my fingers through your hair, I'll get your DNA under my fingernails. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe we don't put as much stock into that. But all the other once stuff, you though. start piling it all on, you know, it starts mm-hmm. to get really fishy. So then a construction worker comes forward to say that he saw the Kenthammer's car in a ditch that morning around 8 a.m., but that there was nobody in or around the car that he could see, and there was no damage to the car. So I guess after this freak accident occurred, Todd veered off, and I don't know if he was trying to make like a three-point turn or what, but his car ended up backed into the ditch. So like there's the road and then there's kind of a steep drop off into the ditch Mm -hmm. and his car was essentially backed into that ditch. So when this construction worker passed by, he saw the car in the ditch, but there was no damage to it and he didn't see anybody around it. So when investigators examined the car, they found some alarming details. Barbara's blood was found on one of the back tires of the car. And I don't know how much... I I don't know. But they also examined the condition of the windshield and found three separate fractures to the windshield. One impact point is explained away by Todd as he said he punched the windshield as he saw the pipe coming towards the vehicle. What? Right? That sounds like a crock of shit. Okay, so I thought the same thing. Like, first of all, he says at one point, that he thought it was a bird coming to the windshield. And I just, I'm just thinking, like, there are times I'm driving on the highway, and I have we've had, like, rocks hit our windshield. I think everyone has had that happen, right? You see it coming, and I feel like in a moment like that, you kind of freeze. I don't think your initial reaction is to, like, lunge for the windshield. Oh, I was going to stop it? You know, and yeah. sometimes, like, if, you know... I remember as a kid, if my mom was driving and we like slammed on the brakes or something popped out in front of us, her instinct was always to put her hand on my chest. Safety bar. Yeah. Yes. Throw your arm over. Yes. And and, and if you're by yourself, like one time, 
a hawk came down and was right in front of my window windshield, and my reaction was to duck. Like, mm-hmm. who says I'm going to punch the windshield? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that that was um, kind of bizarre, too. I just don't think I would have had that quick of a reaction time to a pipe flying into my windshield. I mean... What do you think you're going to do? Punch through and catch it? I guess. What's the purpose? I guess. I mean, I don't know. And punching it, like, yeah, what are you... I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. The second point of impact where the pipe came through the windshield, um, I guess, you know, that's explained by that. And then the third point of impact was from where Todd says he tried to pull the pipe out so that he could get Barbara out of the car. So... I'll have pictures posted of the windshield. And when I look at it, I do think it's kind of odd that the hole from where the pipe allegedly went through, it's not very big. And it's kind of triangular shaped. And it looks to me, just a a layman who likes true crime, I'm not like some forensic expert, but it just looks to me like someone was standing next to the car and hit the windshield with the pipe leaving kind of a triangular indention because Mm -hmm. it didn't go all the way through. So I'll show you this windshield. So tell me what you think. It looks like somebody smacked it with the pipe. Yeah, it's just the the hole itself doesn't really appear to be very big, and it's kind of triangular shaped. It looks like you did something to your wife, and you got out, and you smacked it and made up your story. Well, and what are the chances that a pipe would just fly in directly – like a bow and arrow. You know what I mean? Like, it, how did it not slant a little bit and leave a bigger hole? Does, mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I get what you're saying. So, I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense to me. But there we have it. So, um, they also found glass in the vehicle, naturally. But investigators found it odd that glass was found in Barbara's seat because they thought that it would have been on top of her, not underneath her. And as you see in that picture, there's not a lot of glass that is, you know, the windshield is still relatively intact with the exception of that small hole. It's shattered, but it's not broken all the way through. Exactly. They also didn't find any glass in the map pocket of the door, which would be odd, right? Unless someone had the door open while they bashed the windshield in with a pipe, right? Makes sense. They also found Barbara's blood on the front of her seat and on the passenger side floor mat. But oddly enough, even though she had those deep lacerations on the back of her head and head wounds bleed like a stuck hog, like they bleed like a waterfall, there was no blood on the headrest or the back of her seat. They also examined the pipe and found no blood whatsoever on the pipe. They did, however, find fibers on the pipe that matched fibers from Todd's trunk of his car indicating that maybe the pipe had been in Todd's trunk at some point. Okay, so right now, I just have no clue how when we started this episode, you said, I'm wondering if it was Final Destination or a murder, because right now I fully think it's a murder. I understand. And I have over 98 episodes. This is my 99th of listening to you talk, (laughs) so I'm kind of an expert, and (laughs) this is a murder right now. But we'll continue listening. Okay, so um, remember when I said Todd, this isn't going to help my case at all, but uh, remember when I said Todd was on his way to a friend's house to pick up his truck and work on the windshield? Well, investigators called this friend that he told them he was going to see, 
And this guy, Justin Heim, told him a completely different story. And he said that he never talked to Todd about a windshield. He didn't need a windshield or even a repair. And that Todd didn't even know where he actually lived. And he remembered a day months earlier when Todd, I guess he told Todd that he drove a super duty pickup. And Todd was like, oh, I have a windshield for that. And that was it. The guy didn't need a windshield. They never made plans for Todd to replace his windshield. In fact, when investigators probed more, they found out that Todd didn't even have that windshield in stock. Like, I'm really, he didn't even have it. I'm waiting for the moment where you say, where you convince me of that this is a final destination act of God. I know. So investigators bring in Todd for questioning, and they tell him what Justin said. And Todd changes his story to say, well, it wasn't Justin. It was a friend of Justin's. But when investigators reached out to this friend, he also claimed he had no idea that Todd was supposed to come over that day. And there were no plans made for Todd to repair his windshield either. It was a lie. At this point, investigators are getting a bad feeling about this whole story. They don't really believe that a pipe could fall off a truck and strike a woman like that. And they're finding the changes in Todd's story to be very alarming. So three months after the accident, Todd is arrested for the murder of his wife, Barbara. Good. So the trial began in December of 2017, and Todd was ultimately found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of his wife, Barbara, even though no motive could really be found. Their children were absolutely devastated, believing wholeheartedly that this was a huge mistake and that their dad was innocent. So they bring in two high-powered attorneys, Jerry Buting and Kathleen Kathleen Stilling. So the kids obviously believe that this was a random thing. Yes. They wholeheartedly believe. Blasphemy. Well, Did I use that word in a good context? Probably. I thought I did. I was ready to say it. <laughs> That's blasphemy. This is crazy. I know. I know. So they bring in Jerry Buting and Kathleen Stilling. And you might remember, you won't because you don't. You're not like me, but Jerry Buting... Whatever the hell that means. Okay, well, do you know who Jerry Buting is? Do you know Making a Murder on Netflix? Have you ever seen a single episode? God, you have such an attitude. Today... No, answer the question, yes or no. No, I haven't, Kelly. Didn't think so. So anyway, you might remember, unless you're Austin, Jerry Buting from Making a Murderer. He was one of Stephen Avery's lawyers in that Netflix documentary series. They were able to get... Todd, a new evidentiary hearing, which just means that they get a chance to go up to the judge and say, hey, we have some evidence that didn't come out in the first trial. We think that that was unfair and he should just at least be granted a new trial, right? They argued that a different medical examiner found that Barbara's death was caused by cranial cerebral injuries due to a vehicular accident and not an assault. They also testified that Todd's mangled memory in that day can be explained by mental trauma from the accident. During his first trial, Todd testified about his story changing, and he said, quote, When I watch that video, it's me in the picture, but it's not me talking. I'm not in the right state of mind talking in that. I wasn't even thinking of where I was going or what I was doing. I was thinking of Barb, end quote. Quick question. Sure. During all of the trials and everything, is he acting, like, upset? Is oh, it genuine? Time. Yes. Yeah. You can tell by the look on his face that he looks almost like a scared child. Like, mm-hmm. that's what's getting me. Like, scared he's going to get caught, child? No, like, scared that he's he's hurt and he's just, like, in this mess. I don't know. There's something about his picture and the the memories that his kids have of their relationship. There's just something in me 
And maybe it's just my, like, mama heart. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I look at his picture and I don't see a guilty person. I listen to his testimony. I don't hear a guilty person. And I look at his kids and they're defending him and they love their mother too and they don't they don't recall any kind of abnormal fighting there was never never any kind of physical stuff there was no financial motive he didn't have an affair with anyone else you know I almost kind of related it to Chris Watts and how Chris Watts seemed to be this like perfectly normal guy who then instantly snapped and killed his pregnant wife and two daughters but he had this side piece and he obviously was struggling in his marriage there was none of that here there's no mistress there's no struggle in the marriage that we know of, nothing. And you would think that that would come out, mm-hmm. but it, it never did. So what would be the motive? So that's what's, that's what's getting me. But they also argued that there was a test done during the initial, initial investigation where authorities attempted to reconstruct Todd's story by dropping a pipe off the back of a moving truck, and it showed how the pipe would bounce off the ground only once out of the four times it was dropped. Which would, the point of this video was that it was proving it was plausible that a pipe could fall off or roll off a truck. Which I, I can see how it would be. Sure. Yeah. But this video was never shown during the first trial because the defense nor the prosecutors wanted to use it. So it just never got used. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I don't know. But at Todd's sentencing, there was a clear divide in the family that was once seemingly so picture perfect. On Todd's side sat his children who believed in their father's innocence, but on the prosecution side sat Barbara's family who believed that justice was served. Barbara's cousin, Jerry Ann, took the stand to declare to the judge during sentencing, and she said, quote, Barbara found the courage that day to fight back. Therefore, we stand here today united with that same courage, asking you to sentence her killer to the maximum pen- penalty possible, end quote. So, this cousin, you know, it's obviously on Barbara's side, but um, Barbara's kids have said that their mom actually ha- hated this cousin and that they didn't have a relationship. So I don't know if, I don't know if they think that maybe Jerry Ann was coming out just to have her moment of spotlight or just to be involved in the drama, but they couldn't believe she even came forward because she, they claimed that Barbara and her did not get along. The prosecutor actually said to the judge in regards to Todd and his children, which I think this is actually very callous and, and, um, I don't know, disappointing, but he said, quote, pardon my language. He said this to the judge in front of the family, quote, pardon my language, but to be perfectly frank, they need to get their heads out of their ass. They need to start looking at this in reality, end quote. This is after a guilty verdict is already found. This is the sentencing phase. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so unnecessary to be that callous and cold to a family that's suffering on either side. Mm -hmm. But um, at this point, the Kenhammers had to sell their family home and their daughter's home just to pay for his legal bills. So ultimately, the judge sentenced Todd to life with the possibility of parole after 30 years. And then in May of this year, the judge denied Todd's request for a new trial. He could still attempt the higher court, but this changes, I guess, his chance of ever getting out is dwindling because it's going to, it's just going to keep getting harder Mm -hmm. to fight this battle. But I don't know, I guess... I can totally see why it looks the way it does, but I have a, you know, you have an MMO in any kind of 
homicide, assault case, whatever, a means, motive, and operation. He had the means, which was the pipe and the, I guess his hands is what the prosecutor, prosecutors are alleging. But he didn't have the motive. And I, I mean, the operation, I guess, is suggested that it's there, but it's not clear cut. I, I don't know. I just, I struggle because there's no motive. There's no why. And I, I don't know. So what do you think? I am leaning towards the idea that this really was a freak accident and that maybe the only thing that's tripping me up truly is the fact that fibers on the pipe matched fibers in the trunk. What about all the autopsy stuff? I... (sighs) Strangulation and and lacerations on the back of the head and everything like that. The lacerations on the back of the head, I I can't explain. But the other stuff, the, the blunt force trauma to mm-hmm. her head and face. I um, So the black eyes, for example, could have happened while she was in the process of donating her organs because typically corneas are part of that process. So it's, un, it's unclear if the black eyes were because of that. So that is one thing. The broken nose, I don't know. I guess I'd... What about the way the windshield looks? I know, that's weird. See, okay, my opinion's this. I think that it's totally possible that a pipe could bounce off the ground and come up. I think it's like a what? It's it's. I mean, who knows the odds? Like getting struck and like getting struck by lightning. Yeah, it's a freak accident. Okay, so I totally think that could happen. However, I think if it would have happened, it would have gone through the windshield a whole lot different. Mm -hmm. And how much do you say the pipe weighed? Ten pounds. Yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah, I struggle I, I, with that too, but it's not unheard of. It has not happened. Okay, so again, again, very, very much a freak accident. I think it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. There wouldn't be, I don't know how it would make sense of having lacerations on the back of your head, mm-hmm. the strangulation evidence, the the fibers on it from the back of the car. Mm-hmm. I think the windshield would look completely different. There was also another pipe of the same material, same diameter found nearby down the road. Suggesting that maybe more than one pipe fell off the truck that day. But the truck was never even seen on the camera. I know, but you know what I also couldn't find was that did the road veer at any point? Right, like, could it have come on somewhere else? Could there have been a turn that the truck took and we just didn't it's see? It's too fishy that? to me. Like, I, I just I have questions that are unanswered and I can't find the answers to them, <laughs> and it's leaving me with a lot of doubt. I think that freak freak accident, it would be possible. I think between all the other stuff. It leads me to think, no. And maybe his motive was he was a dude that had it all in his head and he was bottling up frustration for years and popped on a back road by himself. Yeah, and we don't know if you know they have had violent arguments in the past because no one has – just because no one has said – that it never happened doesn't mean it's true mm-hmm. because a lot of people keep secrets and you, some people take them to their grave. And where was the where was the, the the real story of what he was doing? You know, where why making her run late whenever she's? I mean, you don't like running late, mm-hmm. okay? So if if we're running late, I better have a legit story, right? And. He even said that there was a third friend. Like after they after they figured out that the second guy also had no plans to have this to have Todd come look at his windshield, 
Todd was like, oh, it was this other guy. Yeah, he doubled. He had, And he tripled down. He doubled down, then he tripled down, and it's all a lie. And even that third guy said, no, we never talked See, about I, it. No. So, like, why are, we, why, do, why are we continuing with this story? Like, you know, the irony here for me, the irony I'm finding within myself is that I have said in the past, why aren't we using common sense? Like, common sense is often way more explainable than... Maybe some circumstantial stuff, right? Common sense. Is common common sense. He's screwed. Yeah, he's he's guilty. So why he, do I we, still have doubts? We never got a real story about where the guy was going, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And why I he's think, going in the opposite direction of the school? I think his motive was all super internal, and he got he had some serious frustration probably built up, and he popped, mm-hmm. and he saw you saw remorse because maybe he really did love her. They were together for twenty five years. He really did love his kids. He knew what he did was wrong, and he really didn't have a good reason for it, but he lost his shit. Yeah, and the the autopsy also noted, like, some um, other, you know, bruises, I guess, that were in various stages of healing, which we know indicates sometimes possible abuse. Um, not It's not 100% indicative, but it could suggest that, so... Who knows? But it also, I think I have doubt because his kids so vehemently believe that he is innocent and they know their parents better than anybody that could ever testify or write a podcast about this story. Mm -hmm. So out of respect for them, I'm inclined to believe them and to put some stock in what they're saying. But then you have the physical evidence that refutes all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where I'm at, Austin. This is like... The first time I think that I've ever really been like, ooh, I don't know. I could really see it either way. I don't know. I think that a freak accident is absolutely possible because anything's possible. But I think all the evidence and the lying and yeah. the fibers of the carpet, and I think all that, throw the book at him. Mm-hmm. Well, they did. And so that's, uh, that's all we've got for How today's How long ago did episode. this happen? 2016. Did it make the news or anything? Yeah, it was on the news, and there's a 48 hours about it, and um, CBS had a lot of articles. That's where I pulled a lot of this information from, which I always cite my sources in the show notes, which are on our Patreon. But um, yeah, there's a 48 48 hours episode on this story. Interesting. So, yeah, and there's other podcasts, Going West, Generation Y. um, I think they've both done podcasts on this story. Interesting. So that's all we have. I want to know your thoughts, though. Please, please comment on the Mama Mystery or on our Patreon post about this. I truly do want to know what you think. And if if you maybe know a detail about this case that I missed, tell me. See if it maybe has some effect, if I'm missing something. I want to know. I really do want to know what you think. I'm not just saying that to bait for comments. I actually genuinely want to know. So... There we have it. Well, it's one minute past your bedtime. Our next episode is the 100th. And we're going to do something massive. It's one minute past your bedtime, 701. You got to go. Okay, bye. Mama, mystery, out. Bye.